Hey, it's Ruby Ryder. Welcome to part two of podcast number 300. Enjoy. Okay, so the next thing and the last thing that I want to talk about with you is actually the first thing I mentioned that I wanted to explore a little bit because it fascinates me, I have to say. And the phrase for it is responsive desire. There's different types of desire and responsive desire. I heard you talk a little bit about that. I think it was on Instagram. You put up some thing and I just went, oh my God, this is absolutely fascinating. And it explains so many things in so many relationships. So if you would please speak to that. Yes. So, you know, great thanks to Emily Nagoski for writing the book, Come As You Are. If you have not read this, I don't care what your gender is, you should please read it. Um, Come As You Are talks about the dual response model to sexual desire. So we have brakes and accelerators. And it's not enough to know what turns you on. It's also, you need to know what turns you off. So that's like one part of the book that I thought was really, really fascinating. And I, mm. at 40 some years old was like, oh, that's a break. Oh, that's an accelerator. Like figuring these things out is never too late. And, but the, the, the other big part of that book was about responsive versus spontaneous desire. And this book like helped me realize I wasn't broken mm. because when I was married the first time, it was like, what's wrong with you? Why don't you want sex? Right? Like, like there's clearly something wrong with you. There was something wrong with the relationship, but that's a whole nother story. Right. But the thing is, is like, not everybody gets hit by a bolt of lightning of sexual desire. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't walk around going, I am horny. It does not happen for me. Mm -hmm. um, there were times I'd say in early in relationships is pretty common for people to be considered spontaneous desire. I say with quotes, because like, there's a lot of different things happening in the beginning of a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. There's new relationship energy and we don't have this built up of resentments and mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's this, it's a, it's a very fairy tale land in the beginning. And then you settle into a relationship. And I think this is the thing that I think needs to be spread far and wide. Responsive desire means that I need to be aroused before desire shows up. So that's complicated. Cause how do you say yes to sex when you don't have desire there mm -hmm. yet? Right. So this doesn't just happen to vulva owners, even though like it's it kind of, I don't know, somewhere I picked up the message that a lot of women are responsive desire and a lot of men are spontaneous desire. And it's kind of like, yeah, they're you know, always women are ready from to Mars go. and men are, or men are from Mars, women are from Venus. That kind of like opposites kind of whatever. Yeah. That is not true. And men need to understand that they also can have responsive desire. And that might be why they start to show up with some erectile issues or disappoint, erectile disappointment, because they're not understanding the difference between what happened to that time in my life when I just woke up horny. Yeah. Right. And I walk through the day thinking about sex all the time that they too transition to a much more, or they can transition to a much more 
like sex isn't the first thought of the day, right? Like I, I love talking about sex, but I don't think about having sex all the time. And honestly, what I've found is that one of my breaks is expectation. Mm. So that might come from my partner, might come from society, might come from myself. Mm -hmm. But if I feel any expectation to have sex, I can't get there. Mm -hmm. I cannot get aroused to get to the desire part. And so like what knowing myself, what I know I need is a, a partner that I really, really trust that can hear my no and not make me feel bad about it. Mm, I'm going to feel bad about it. I'm going to feel bad about it on my own. I'm working on trying not to feel bad about it, but we are, especially people socialized as female, we get bombarded with all these expectations of what we're supposed to bring to relationship and what our con- contribution, right? In my first marriage, I always felt like that was my contribution. The sex was my mm. contribution, mm. right? I, I, it took me a long time to take my self-worth and separate it from sex, mm-hmm. right? That I have value to be in relationship with whether you're having sex with me or not. Mm-hmm. And that sex is not a guaranteed part of being in long-term relationship. It mm-hmm. just isn't. I'm still a person, right? And I get bodily autonomy. I have sovereignty over my body and I get to decide where I'm a yes and I'm a no. Mm-hmm. So for me in my relationship, it looks like I'd love to connect with you. Let's go get naked and jump in bed and cuddle and talk, right? Mm-hmm. We both know that most of the time skin on skin gets feeling good. And like, you know, like I know that for myself, if I can make him make a little noise, like that turns me on, like, yeah. we know, the little things that are the accelerators, mm-hmm. but we also know what the brakes are. Right. And I've, I've noticed my body really paying attention to where do I feel safe to have a no. And with my husband, I feel safe to have a no. He celebrates my no. There's never a lick of like guilt. Like he's a grown ass adult and I am not responsible for his erection. Right. I do not need to do anything about it. And he is okay with, with us not, not escalating to the sex if I just can't get there. Cause sometimes there's other stuff in my head, yeah. right? I've got other things that I'm really, my brain is focused on and I just can't get present. Well, and to pause for a moment, when you said he celebrates it, this brings me right back to some of the cuddle stuff of touch. And I just actually put up a couple of pieces up on FetLife because I host two munches in the kink community up in my area. And some and one of them is at a bar so we call it a slosh because there's social lubrication there whenever you go to a bar and i think those boundaries become a little bit fuzzier or people are not quite as vigilant when they have alcohol in them and the boundaries i'm talking about are touch boundaries you always 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 ask and ideally you ask before you ever touch anyone anything you touch their hat their jacket anything i mean ideally that is what creates that container of safety is when you ask first and if you if you know the person and you know that they're fine with that that's one thing but if you know them and you can't remember if they like hugs then ask first because consent creates safety 
there's all kinds of people out there that are totally fine with casual touch and that's lovely. But at the same time, there's people who get triggered by that. And sometimes it's not a really obvious thing. Sometimes it's like something like that will happen to you. And again, like to use your phrase, people who have been socialized because they have female bodies were have been taught to just, you know, this is okay and don't say anything and don't make a fuss. And then you go home from an event like that where your boundaries have been crossed, but you don't, you're not even really aware of it. You just feel sort of icky, right? And that's just so important to not have that. That can make the difference between someone, you know, exploring their kink or returning to a community thing. But that awkward moment always needs to be addressed when you come up to someone and you say, so, hey, you know, um, can I give you a hug? Are you okay with a hug? And they say, no. Okay, boom, that moment right there you, is so good for the person who asked it, if they get that no to say, thank you for taking care of yourself. Not only do you, can you say something which eases that awkwardness of the, that pregnant moment, which is all like, oh, they said no, because nobody likes rejection, right? But what's truly happening is they're taking care of themselves. And this is all the, the cuddle stuff. You know, yeah. it's all about learning your boundaries and being responsible for your boundaries. Yeah. Because I even put that in the piece that I wrote. I said, if somebody comes up to you and says, you know, can I have a hug? Or is it okay if we, you know, if we hug? And you say yes, because you don't want to hurt their feelings. And then you feel bad about it later. You got nobody to complain to because it's your responsibility to hold your boundary. So trying to get in touch with that as closely as possible. And then know whether it's a yes or a no is yeah, so, I mean, so important. I, I think also like, understanding how hard it is for that person to give you a no right having compassion yeah. for like that that was really like almost an honor that they were able to give you a no and be authentic felt, yes right yeah. and like it, cuddle party I tell you like such a foundational like amazing space to learn these tools and to practice them yes and and the amount of things I can say yes to because I know that my no is okay right my partner has a pretty freaking charmed life <laughs> you know <laughs> but we have immense trust that a we're never going to tolerate anything right like we honor, like we're, we're very independent people. We get to make our own decisions because we're fucking adults. Right. And I love being a yes, but I also have full confidence that I can be a no and it's not going to be a big deal from him. Or it's not going to be like a mark in the column over there. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. He knows, he trusts me. I'm going to be a yes whenever I can be a yes. Like and then, I'm a good giving game partner, right? Like I am yeah. down and when I'm a no, it's important. It's mm -hmm. not, it's not that I'm withholding anything. It's I'm taking care of myself. Like you said, like it's me honoring myself first, which I think fucking needs to happen more often. Yes. And if you're the person who has asked, then you're being given such good information if you get a no. Because, and I know they say this when they teach the whole cuddle party stuff is if you can trust their no. So in other words, if you can trust someone to be real and authentic 
with you, which is a gift in and of itself to be able to give you their no and trust that you're going to be okay with that, then you can absolutely trust it when they say yes. And that's even more valuable because if somebody, you know, doesn't want to hurt your feelings and they say yes to whatever you're proposing. And have you ever had a, a hug from somebody who you can absolutely tell does not want to be there hugging you? Oh my God, that feels awful. Yeah. And I have to say that sometimes they just haven't really learned how to just sink into that hug or maybe they just like to hug really rigidly because that's their style I don't know if there are people like that we we want touch right touch is such a fundamental part of the human experience and there are Mm -hmm. plenty of people out there that have had bad experiences with unwanted touch Ah. that their nervous system still doesn't know how to show up for that thing they want that's how I I think it can also be that they just don't know how to say no and they'd rather not be in that space but it's also very likely that their nervous system needs to be retrained Yes. So there, so it doesn't have to always represent here. Here's what's going on behind my head. If somebody shows up with a really stiff hug, even though they said yes, it's possible that what they feel inside that craving, they really want that hug still hasn't been able to come all the way out, or maybe they can't trust because they've had bad experiences in the past. So that's just how they hug because they don't really know what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. Their nervous system, their body can be responding in a way that does not align with how their doesn't reflect what their their brain wants or their heart wants. Wow. There's such a rich and deep discussion around all this. It blows my mind. There really is. I I have a, I have a, I, sometimes I get ideas for social media posts and I make a little, a, a starter graphic like in Canva. So I'll come back to it later. And my current one is like nervous system for rent right? Like that's going to be one of my next posts is like, let's talk about in my work as a professional cuddler, especially, but all of my work is just really helping your nervous system learn how to be in those spaces, those intimate spaces. Well, and when I do my sex work, it's not at all unusual for me to work with newbies. In fact, I, I tout my expertise with newbies because I've been told so many times I'm really comfortable to be around. I put people at ease, but that doesn't necessarily mean their bodies are going to be at ease. But then I also have a um, extensive massage career that I just retired from and legit massage. And so I know so much about bodies and I have that tool to help people relax, but, you know, getting someone from oh my God, I want to explore this, but I don't really know if I can because you're actually putting something in my ass and that's really vulnerable. And oh my God, right. Getting them to some sort of pleasurable space in the the space of an hour. Yeah. So I always laugh. I just flat out laugh out loud when I get emails that say, so how much do you charge for half an hour? (laughs) It's like, here's the thing. Yeah. In my, in my situation, they would be really well and they would be do really well to invest in some cuddle time with me before doing stuff like that so that their body gets comfortable with me. Yes. Right. Wouldn't that make for a very different first time experience, but you know, it's also an investment, right? It's like a long game, you know, instead of the short game. It is. And sex workers look at it a, a very different way. Um, because it's like, I just really like to get to know you first. It's like, great. And my time is money. And so you will be paying me to take me out to dinner, you know, and I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to do that. Yeah, no, it's a a requirement for me. I'm the weirdest sex worker out there. Like I'm like, yeah, so I see you want to try this thing. Cause I love, 
really love helping newbies experience whatever this fantasy fetish is that they've had their entire life, especially if we have overlap and probably only if we have overlap, because I want to really enjoy myself too. And it's, it's like, where was I going with this? I totally lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. There has to be a connection first. Yeah. I've, I keep playing with what my requirements are, but like, you know, spending some time with me that it has our clothes on, whether it be a zoom call, like I did an hour consult the other day, I feel so much more comfortable about meeting with this client and, Mm -hmm. and having a close, you know, a close experience that isn't maybe three hours long. Maybe it's, 90 minutes or 60 minutes, right? But I'm already pre-connected in a way to where my body will be more comfortable showing up in that space. Yes. Right? And that's like, you know, I have to take care of myself. I, I want to love what I do. Mm-hmm. And part of that equation is I want to like you, right? <laughs> and I, that means I, I need to know you. I need to get to know you. And my body, my my nervous system wants to get to know you, for me to show up as authentically as I can. And and I, I I don't go quite to that extent. And I'm suspecting it's because you do full service work. Well, this is, yes. And it's very different if somebody was just to show up for like, let's say pegging. Right. And especially in, with your boundaries and I share the same boundaries. It's, it's, I'm not showing up so much of like I'm not putting as much of me into that exactly exactly Mm -hmm. it's all about them yes yes yeah I'm always astonished at people who show up in as a client who have never played with their ass Mm -hmm. it's like it's like it's like they don't want to I'm like have you ever have you ever played down here yourself well no like almost like I just want someone else to do it and I get it because I I mean I masturbate, but it feels better when someone else is doing it. I get it. Like, <laughs> I really do. But it's different, but... I think, with the ass. I think it's totally different. And I think there are absolutely echoes of homophobia, that really, really weird thing. That It's a jokey thing, but it's like, yeah, I can't spend too much time back there when you wipe your ass after you take can, a shit. Can I so ask you a question? And yeah. I have this, I have this like theory, and I want to know if you're, if I'm, if I'm in the right neighborhood here. Um, I was playing with someone recently doing their first prostate massage because they were like, you really love, I can see how your eyes light up talking about prostates. And this is one of your favorite things. I've never <laughs> done it. This is a man and it was about 50. I've never done it, but because you're so interested in it, I would be, I would like to, I would, I'm curious. I would like to try it. And his response was pretty like neutral, like meh, whatever. And my theory is, is that it's a, it's an area of your body. You have to wake up. Like if you were to ignore your vulva, you know, back in the day of, you know, with Betty Dodson, it was vulva massage, get the blood flow going to that area so that it's, it's more, it's a more pleasurable region. And I, and my theory is that also with prostate massages, if you, if it isn't naturally your spot, that it's probably from a a lack of attention to it, that you could actually by self-play, you could start to bring that blood flow to the area and teach your system to to see that as a an erogenous zone is that yeah absolutely because there's a wide variety of reactions when cock owners first get something in their ass some of them it's like the angel saying and they're like where has this been all my life 
And then others, it's the other extreme kind of, it's just like, I don't know what everybody's singing about because it just feels like I have to take a crap. Well, first of all, of course, it's going to feel like you have to take a crap because that's this message that your body has been sending you your entire life. When something is in your rectum, you get the sign that you have to take a crap. However, that overlap and that intersection of feelings that can be uh, obtained from prostate stimulation, some of you just don't feel it right off the bat. And what I say to those people is just persist and maybe um, put in like an Aneros thing, uh, one of the devices that they have or a butt plug or something like that while you are jerking off, getting a blowjob, having PIV, meaning penis and vagina, you know, and that tends to hook up those areas of pleasure. But the other thing is to get turned on because there's this sort of get or done attitude sometimes with cock owners, <laughs> you know, they're used to hopefully taking their time when they play with vulva owners, uh, because this is really important. Well, you know, it's equally important for you. And part of the reason is the sign, you know, it's science, it's physiology, because as soon as you start getting turned on, then the message gets sent to your prostate to start making prostatic fluid. Prostatic fluid comprises about 70% of your ejaculate. So, you know, your body goes, hey, hey, we're probably going to ejaculate. Let's start making prostatic fluid. When that happens, your prostate becomes more sensitive because it's swollen. It becomes more easy for your partner to find if they're doing digital stimulation as well, which is absolutely an added benefit. Because if, you know, if it's your first time exploring that or you're fairly new at it, Sometimes the person doing that to you is has a hard time finding it. So you're going to have to have the communication going back and forth, but it's easier for you to feel if that is swollen with fluid. So, you know, never forget the foreplay and whatever that looks like to you, it really doesn't make much difference. Just get turned on first and then start playing with your ass because I mean, the desire has to show up, right? There you go. You gotta have the, 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 um, the arousal for the desire to show up. So yeah, like if you have a mental, like if you can't mentally find that sexy space for ass play, it's probably not going to get connected with a finger up your ass. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And so many times it's kind of, it's not automatically thought of as um, an essential part of solo anal exploration yeah. for cock owners. It just blows my mind. And I, I can kind of see that. I, mean, I can certainly envision, okay, I'm going to do this new thing. This is a little nervous thing. I'm going to explore this thing and I'm not really sure what I'm doing here. And so they don't approach it from a, ooh, I got to be all turned on about this because it's like a whole new, maybe a little nervous, maybe a little, I'm not sure what I'm doing, but when I teach my classes, I always say, you know, I'm a huge fan of solo exploration because think of it this way. How would you like to have sex with someone who's never masturbated before? They cannot guide you. They don't know their, their I was that body. person. And I can say sex is way better once you learn how to masturbate. So you should <laughs> really get, yeah. get, get, get your prostate involved in your masturbation. Yeah. And even if you're doing something like vibrating on your taint and the outside of your prostate, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many different ways that you can do it, but I'm, I'm continually astonished at how many men seem to have an aversion to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the echoes of homophobia. Yeah, I really do. For sure. Yeah. I mean, how, 
and they've already tackled the you know don't touch your penis right they've already tackled the hiding and masturbating and doing it fast and quiet right mm -hmm. as, as children so you know permission giving we give you permission mm -hmm. go explore be curious right I wrote a little thing about that and I'm like you know those are the people that deserve to be congratulated because they've had the the interest they've explored it and they're they've had the well, I'm not even sure what the word is here they've had the in, intelligence no that's not it either it's like you find something that you want to explore, but it's not that easy because you're overcoming a few things here and there. And then you find this, this richness of rewards, you know, as opposed to, unfortunately, society giving you all kinds of um, instructions, um, opinions in the opposite direction. And you have to overcome that to be able to enjoy fully or even to begin to explore. So yeah, it's a lot of bravery. It's a lot of um, tenacity. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good word. So I yeah, think they I, absolutely deserve, they're intrepid explorers. That's the phrase that I use. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, before we go. Yes. We haven't talked about soft cock week. Oh, <gasps> let's talk about that. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm. I want to say deep in the planning. I wish I was deeper in the planning. Um, <laughs> so many puns. <laughs> so many puns. Um, there's a lot of things happening in the in the background right now of like everybody, not everybody. Um, people are like, I want to talk to you about soft cock. We got, how do I be involved? Like, and I know last year had so much fun with your involvement with soft mm -hmm. cock week. Mm -hmm. um, this is going to happen in November, correct? Yeah, November yep. 5th. 5th okay. and 11th, we're doing Soft Cock Week again. Okay. I want to make sure, last time we had pretty limited programming because I kind of threw this together at the last minute and and called on community to see I remember. who wanted to contribute. Ruby, mm -hmm. you gave a wonderful contribution of, of wonderful writing. Um, but then you also joined us for our last event, which was our um, soft cocktail mixer, yes, which is recorded and still lives on softcockweek.com, where a bunch of us that were professionals who contributed for the week got together and just freaking geeked out for like two hours. It was so fun. Going down all sorts of rabbit holes. Um, mm -hmm. And so I'm, ho I'm hoping to do a lot of what we already had last year, which was the soft cocktail mixer and also the soft the soft opening, um, which was more of a town hall space to kind of share what was your current experience with erectile issues and whatnot. Uh, this year, I really want to have um, some programming for the partners of people that are dealing with erectile oh, changes. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, I think Joe Court is going to come in on that one. I think we're going to definitely do a podcast very much um, with that as the, the primary focus. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to have Joe involved because you know he he's he he is a supporter of the Soft Cock Week, and um, I also want some programming around masturbation with a soft penis because that came up as a big question mark for a lot of people of like wait what like I can still have pleasure without erections and it's still like, you can still yes. have an ejaculation without an erection. 
Yeah. Um, so I want some programming specifically around that. I guess I'm throwing these things out into the universe, even though I have some little things, little birdies in the background that are helping me make sure these things happen. Mm -hmm. Um, those are some additions I want to make sure that we definitely get programming around. Um, one of the things that I thought of, because I just got asked this in an email that somebody sent to me is it was from somebody who had had a prostatectomy and they we're looking for more detailed instructional type of offering about how to use the harness and have a strap on themselves. Mm. How to use the deuce harness, the spare parts deuce, which I think is one of the best ones out there. Um, and yeah, there's there's some stuff there. There's absolutely some some good stuff there. And I, I still have time to solicit even more because, you know, again, not having the cock, not having tried this out, I don't really know, but I've, there's stuff in my brain that I've collected from over the years, because when you think about it, if you wear one of those harnesses, it's at a different angle because it's above your, your biocock, right? Mm -hmm. So that's one of the first things you have to get used to is the coming at it from a different angle, but you know, the, the ability to change all the different toys and stuff, for anybody who hasn't taken my beginner's webinar, I go off on a little rant about the importance that is erroneously attached to the lack of an erection, the meanings that are attached to it. Because when you're doing prostate stimulation, erections can come and go. There's a bunch of you out there that aren't going to have any erections at all if your life depended on it. And then very few of you will be erect the whole time. So for whatever reason, scientifically, physiologically, erections get a little challenged when you do prostate stimulation. So I try and educate the givers that don't look for an erection as a sign your partner's having a good time. And you receivers, don't think that we just broke your dick <laughs> because we did it, okay? And there's so much meaning attached to the lack of an erection that drives me nuts. It's like, oh, he doesn't think I'm beautiful. He's not hard. Um, he doesn't want to fuck me. He's not hard, you know, or they, they don't, they're not having a good time. They're not hard. Oh my God, people just let it go because it puts so much pressure on the penis owners. I can't even imagine. I mean, I strap it on. It's always there. It's always ready to go. Yeah. Well, I, if you wanted to do something around, uh, I would love to give more space to normalizing the use of strap-ons. Because there's a bunch of people out there who want that ability to keep that intimacy with their partner if they are unable to have the regular PIV. And, you know, we've talked over and over again about how we'd love to redefine the word sex. Mm -hmm. to not always default to PIV. Oh, that's some of the best sex in my life did not involve a penis. Yep. Exactly. I look at like the orgasm gap numbers and I'm like, do you see in these numbers why the penis is actually not that important? Because lesbians are having way more consistent orgasms. <laughs> and it's like... not like they don't matter. You know, if if you're a penis owner and, and you hear this and you think, what do you mean it's not important? Yeah, I can see how you would have that reaction, but it's not, it doesn't have to be the main focus and this whole automatic PIV thing. Yeah. Also, like you and I both received a note from someone that was like, hey, I've never let my partner see me naked without an erection. Yes. Oh Talk my God. What I consider real intimacy, right, is not a, 
I'm not using intimacy as a code word for sex. To me, intimacy is about vulnerability mm-hmm. and sharing. And to me, that is a barrier to intimacy. If there's a, if you're hiding your body because you don't have an erection, just blows my mind. Like you don't have, most penis owners do not have erections most of the time. Mm-hmm. But to be so worried about disappointing your partner if they see you without an erection. It like, hits me in a sad space because it so reminds sad. me of people who are ashamed that their body doesn't fit into the stupid box of what you're supposed to look like. And so they're never completely naked. They're always wearing a shirt. Holding or... themselves back, not going to the beach. Not, yeah. you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like um, one thing talking to Joe Court, actually, um, he brought up was an interview he did with Barry McCarthy, who wrote a really great book on coping with ED and one on coping with, with, with premature ejaculation. Mm-hmm. And in, in the, the statement that Barry makes is that in long-term relationship, it's generally the man who stops initiating sex because of their not having faith that they will have an erection. So they just stop altogether. Mm-hmm. And that just breaks my heart. And it's that it is that not understanding um, responsive desire that they, they think if they just don't show up with an automatic heart on, then it's too risky to move forward. And I'm like, I deal with that too. That is exactly the thing I deal with. Like, I'm afraid to initiate something if I can't, if my erection won't show up, right? Like it's mm-hmm. the exact same thing. My erection, my erection just looks different, mm-hmm. right? And, and the beauty of it is, is that I, I maybe, maybe it's not a, a complete uh, we can't completely call this apples to apples because my I can be um, engaged in pleasure. Like you can have a penis and not have an erection and still have pleasure. Mm-hmm. Me, my erection is more of an emotional erection, right? It's like mm-hmm. my desire has to show up. That's my version of a, of an erect, erect penis, right? Um, you know, but you can have a soft penis and still have pleasure and desire. Mm-hmm. but that that fear of it not showing up is scary and I get that yeah. but that's the intimacy part right that's the part about learning to connect in multiple ways so that there's still a way to connect even if it doesn't look the way you thought it might look yeah and I think part of the sadness for me around that specific topic about so many penis owners who just stop having sex because they are having difficulty getting an erection is that many times they don't just stop having sex, they stop touching too. And part of the reason that they stop touching goes back to equating all touch with sex because they were denied the the continuing experience from small childhood of that tender, loving, non-sexual touch. Because at a certain age, we all know the whole thing. At least I've talked about it so many times, it feels like it's rote that men in small boyhood are non-consensually trained out of that amongst many other things. So they can fit in that box of, of the really bad definition of what masculinity is about that does nothing but create a lack of bonding between people, between men, and um, they compete all the time, the hierarchical thing. And 
they equate so much that sex goes with touch because otherwise they're, they're not allowed that non-sexual touch. If they do it with other guy friends, it's like, what are you, gay? You know, which of course I always have to pause whenever I say anything like this because hello, everybody out there listening. We know this is really fucked up because that's basically saying that um, straight is better than gay, which is so fucked up. It is mm-hmm. so messed up. But no wonder they equate it with sex because that's the only place that they can get it. I loved one of the pieces that Mark Green talked about. He does a lot of work in this area and he talked about how sometimes for a fair number of men, the first time they really get a sense of what that tender loving touch is as adults is when they have kids and they hold their child and they just sink into that because that is an experience that's kind of foreign. Yeah. And I would love to see more healing take place between couples where the, the penis owners are enjoying just touch and it doesn't have to mean anything. Oh my gosh. So I know we as, could do this for another hour. As a platonic <laughs> cuddle provider nah. who oh thankfully God. in the year 2023 has pretty much 50, 50, um, like I hate to use the gender binary, but yeah. pretty much 50, 50 male, female. And that was not the case when I started in this in 2015 at all. But um, the the men that show up and this is their first time having just this nurturing platonic touch and connection. And I love that for them. And I really love when they are okay enough to to not get freaked out by it. Like, I think that there's different, I, I, I was having this discussion today about attachment styles again and how they show up in, in my work. It, I think my, my theory is, is that those with that kind of um, um, distant attachment, like they're the, st- you know, stay back, I, the islands, right? That they are overwhelmed by what that feels like in my space. And so they don't come back and they're always welcome to come back, but they probably have some more work to do before they're ready to do that. Mm -hmm. But the ones that are like, wow, this is so new to me and really feels good. Like to get lost in that and the meanness of it. And, and, And then I have like, occasionally I work with couples, not very often. It's not, I, couples are complicated, but I have a couple that I've worked with that they both work from home and they cuddle on their lunch break together, platonic oh. cuddling and how that has helped them connect sexually because wow. they're filling this bucket, right? We have buckets that need to be filled Yes, and, and just having just that connection time, like in my surrogate partner work, a really common thing that happens with clients is the ones that are lacking experience is they, 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 they get to the erotic work and, you know, we have the pillow talk, you know, kind of after sex and they're like, oh, this is what intimacy is. The afterwards part, the closeness, Mm. the talking that can be had without sex. And some people need that before they want to have sex, right? I need to have an emotional connection and for me, that is like vulnerable conversation is such a turn on. And my yes. partner didn't have that muscle built when we first met and a vulnerable conversation to him was tiring. And he'd be like, I need to sleep. His body was shutting down. Oh was my gosh. Whole new muscle for him where I'm like, I'm ready to go. 
like, <laughs> this is a turn on for me. And now it, it's not a turn off for him. It, it doesn't tire him out. And he also really craves those kinds of deep conversation and like in what that, how that translates for us sexually is just, there's so much intimacy built in that the physical intimacy, the sexual intimacy is just another continuation of that. Yeah. And the, the flip side too, is so common as well with where people say yes to sex because they want the intimacy. I think that happens more often with vulva owners, but not always. Um, yeah, I did it. My dating career was really me trying to get cuddles. Same, same year. I said, like, yeah, I said yes to sex a lot because I just wanted that closeness. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, but, and there's also this horrible thing where it's like, there's actually vulva owners out there who, who describe soft penises as ugly. Mm. Oh my God. Are you serious? They are in their cutest form when they are soft. And like, they're, they're like that velvety skin. So oh my soft. God. Yeah. They're like a toy. I, um, we talk about who is it for uh, that yeah. question, you know, and, and I think it, it clarifies, I think if every couple could learn about the wheel of consent and how they move through their, their physical uh, relationship dynamics, it'd be really interesting to see how relationships would change. They would need probably a lot of couples therapy in the process of making that transition. But um, I remember, uh, the play partner I mentioned where I was like, I don't, I just want to receive. That's all I want today is I need to receive. And, and there was a point where I said, can I play with your penis? Like it was just soft laying there and I just want to pet it and, you know, just have my, I, I just get lost in that space. It's like meditative. Right. Yeah. And he goes, but remember we said that this was only, like, this was a space for you. It's not for me. And I said, oh, no, no, this is for me. I'm not <laughs> touching your penis for you. I am petting your penis for me because I'm yeah, yeah. enjoying it yeah, right yeah. like what a can you imagine the gift that would be to so many penis owners if they had a partner that just said no 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 like I just want to pet it while it's soft it's so fun when it's soft and like be yeah. able to just really and that's what I want with soft cock week is like to change reframe how we look at penises no matter how they show up they're still like they're fun no matter what like we don't need they to put so expectations are. on them even in my sex work, one of the things I notice often is that, you know, I'm doing a whole bunch of different things depending on what it kind of an experience that they like. Sometimes they're tied down. Sometimes I do spanking stuff and things like that. But one of the things that I notice, whether it is that type of an experience or a more sensual experience, is that the moment I touch their cock is that I can, I can see the body movement that they make where the pelvic floor muscles are coming together because they're trying to get an erection. It's a reaction to me touching their soft cock. And mm -hmm. I, I always verbally address that and say, you don't need to be hard. I'm just having a good time touching here. What would happen if you just relaxed? Right. I said right. the and most said important thing to my partner yeah, is to relax. I feel you tensing up your body. Trying to have an action. It's like, it's not important if it's hard or not. It's there and I'm going to have a good time with it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, but it is a very, it, it's an automatic response. It is. Which is why we say a lot of times, a lot of, a lot of the skills that we want to come into the bedroom, we have to learn outside of the bedroom because we go into this auto mode, yeah. right? Where, the, you know, some of these um, connection exercises need to be done not in a sexual space, but in a platonic space. So we can really change how we think about um, how, how we're engaging with our partner. 
because mm-hmm. if we throw the sex into it, we go into like auto mode. And this is one of the reasons why soft cock appreciation week is so freaking important. And, and surprisingly, just, it didn't exist. I don't know how. Like right, <laughs> right. And so many people expressed so much interest in this. It just delighted me. It was like there were so many people waiting for it to happen, but not realizing, not not having a concrete vision of what it would look like. And and you put it up there and said, you know what? Wouldn't it be nice if? And hey we could do a thing and everybody mm-hmm. went oh my god this is great <laughs> you just need somebody to bu- drive the bus right and like mm-hmm. i'm volunteering to drive the bus but i don't want to have to fill the bus right like i want this to be a real community project where i'm just holding the space to anchor all of the content yeah but like please sex educator world like how do you want to contribute how can i help you contribute please don't wait for me to give you instructions because they're not coming. Yeah. Right. Like I, that is not my, where my yes is. I do not want to be the, the, the orchestra and, you know, I don't want to, you know, direct the orchestra. Be the I want to just yeah. be like, how can I support you? What do you need? You know, do you want to teach a webinar? I, I, I get a webinar account for the month. Like we can help host that. Like, let's help promote let's I, I'm I'm a big yes to that stuff but when people come to me and they're like so tell me what you want me to do I'm like I don't know tell me where your passion is exactly because I'm not this is not a paid gig right it yeah. this is a, a, a is, do you have a passion around this exactly where do you naturally show up in this space yeah right and and we need ambassadors from all different communities. We need ambassadors from the straight world. We need ambassadors from the gay world. We need ambassadors from the trans world. We need we need faces that represent their communities to talk about it in the way that their community needs to hear it. And that exactly. means maybe not, maybe you don't use the word soft cock. Now you're gonna yes. find the stuff at soft cock week, but it's become very clear to me that cock is a very white word, right? Uh. Like I learned that last year was that like one of our contributors was like, hey, I get a little a little uncomfortable with that word. And I'm like, ooh, tell me more. Like yeah, I yeah. want to know more about this. And then I was I was on a, a filming for a show that isn't out yet. So I can't name it, but we were on a panel of people and we and we had this, we pulled the the group. It was like uh three people of color and and me and another white gentleman. And we were the the two white people were the ones saying cock. <laughs> so it's, it's not scientifically proven yet per se but yeah. i'm gonna say i'm gonna go on a limb to say cock is kind of a white word and so like right, so the, what word the would word, they use instead would they always say dick. penis dick yeah at least in the in the black community that was what seems to be the most popular phrase and maybe this would be really interesting to do a poll around this like yeah what words do you use like because i'm always looking for new ways to engage the community in yes. in this week we have soft cock love notes which was just an idea in the shower one morning that i threw up on the website and they're the most delightful things to read they're right? sweet like, yeah they're very so sweet. like some some i'd love some data around what terms do we like to use oh we let's do a, a brainstorming we could do a poll. yeah we did brainstorming in the soft cock um the soft the soft opening um town hall last year we did kind of a lot of brainstorming around this like uh-huh. relaxed penis was a very popular one that we came up with instead of saying soft cock yeah um which is kind of funny because a relaxed penis technically is hard which is it's such that's, a, that's fascinating 
yeah because that's how like that's how viagra works is it relaxes your your yes um, yes yes so yeah so it's kind of a it's interesting to call it a relaxed penis but um i love that like we we have a a a piece of art i haven't launched it yet but one of my friends back in michigan was playing with ai and um i said "Ooh, i want a a picture because my um, one of my co-conspirators on this project this year, I, I brought in somebody to help me. Um, she's like, I want to change the logo this year. I want to do something with like a rooster and a hammock. And I was like, yes, that, that <laughs> says soft cock, relaxed penis, relaxed right. cock, right? <laughs> so we have some um, some art we're going to launch around that that is is pretty fun. But like we're changing it up. We're going to drop the, the tagline, um, it's coming or not, and that's okay. We're going to leave that yeah. one out this year. I don't know if we're going to replace it or what, but it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a community project. Mm-hmm. And I call on, you know, the community in mass, not just the sex ed community, but like wherever you are in the world, whatever you're contributing, if you've got something that you'd like to platform, I want to help you, mm-hmm. but I don't want to, I don't want to dictate it. Mm-hmm. Right. So just let me know how I can support you more so than come up with an idea for you. Yeah. If you feel passionate about contributing, get a hold of Michelle. Absolutely. Yeah. Soft, softcockweek.com. There you go. Yeah. Okay. I'm realizing that I should have been in a meeting about 13 minutes ago. I don't have to contribute. It's just something I wanted to watch. It's uh censorship and it's the Woodhull organization. Oh. They got a thing running right now. Yeah. I, um, I met a few of them in DC. They have a, their monthly like um, presentation thing, and this is about drag censorship. So yeah. should be really it was fun. The, the sexology summit that you were a part of. They were at that. It was really good. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Oh my gosh. So this is going to be another two-parter, clearly. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. I love you. I love you too. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you for sharing space with me.